electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I just want to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put it all in context, which it needs. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Die by the bond market? Live by the bond market? Hey, that pretty much explains today's rally. Dow surging 550 points. S&P jumping 1.52%. And the NASDAQ gaining 1.57%. That's a major reversal of yesterday's slump. A virtual do-over. As bond yields finally went higher, possibly signaling better times ahead. First, let me say from the outset that this whole obsession with the 10-year Treasury It's gotten out of control. You know something's wrong when David Faber and I prattle on about bond yields, even as Jeff Bezos launches himself into space. Don't get me wrong. Long-term interest rates have been plummeting for months, and that definitely signals a weaker economy. The tenure doesn't drop to one and change when business is about to boom. That's too low a yield. It's been quite a contrast from the Roaring Twenties scenario we were betting on before the intransigence of tens of million anti-vaxxers sabotaged that narrative. We also know that the Delta variant is rampaging across the world, including vast swaths of America that remain unvaccinated. Many areas are going back to mask mandates, and some companies like Apple have delayed the return of workers to the office. But despite these worries, we have no real sense of where the slowdown might be coming from. That the bonds are signaling. I mean, I'm not seeing it. The rise of this COVID variant is very depressing. But the real story might be just how powerful these vaccines are. And here I'm speaking about Pfizer and Moderna uh, in the face of all this exposure. I'm not speaking about J&J. Consumers aren't canceling their plans, even with horrendous spike in cases and hospitalizations. Why not? Because people who've been vaccinated know they're safe. And people who refuse to get vaccinated clearly aren't that afraid of getting sick. It feels like a profound number of people still believe that COVID amounts to nothing more than a bad flu at worst, despite the staggering death toll so far. But there's something else here at work. 
something that trumps all this nonsense. And I'm talking about the things that we actually trade. These things, these prices. Yes, the companies we trade. Remember, we're right smack in the middle of the earnings season. Over and over, we've seen executives find ways to make money. And when that happens, you just can't ignore their success because of the action in bonds. Yep, but a company surprises to the upside, as Chipotle did tonight. Buy, 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 buy. To 2000. It's mighty hard to keep that stock down. When a better than expected quarter meets the tenure, the company wins. Unless that company is a bank, the financials are too hostage to interest rates to struggle off the bond market. But everything else, well, I'm calling it another story. And here's your story. This is what we trade and do. This is what we look at. This is what we figure out on this show. Case in point, HCA, nation's largest hospital chain. This morning, the company reported an awesome number, dramatically raised its forecast, because people who've been immunized are done postponing non-urgent surgeries. That's where the money is. That's the cream. There's a huge backlog of procedures that got delayed by COVID. Stock rallies 31 points or 14%. There's some real pin action here. I know intuitive surgical rallied hard today, but there's nothing else like a proxy for elective surgery. And it's only up 17% for the year, kind of like the market. I think you can take that one to the bank, especially as intuitive expands into a host of different kinds of surgery. Same goes for medical device makers. Medtronic has been held back by hospital COVID fears. I continue to like it. My favorite, though, is AbbVie. The drug company with a 4.5% yield that we own for the charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionLearnsPlus.com club, where I'm giving a talk tomorrow. A little more than two years ago, AbbVie shelled out $63 billion to buy Allergan, the leading medical aesthetics play. Since then, I think AbbVie's been undermanaged. I am a diplomat, this acquisition. But now Allergan's great assets, including Botox, are shining through. Normally, vanity trumps everything. But it doesn't trump death by COVID. Now, though, people who want to look good when they go outside again and don't have the mask, well, at least for now, are coming back. And the numbers could be just humongous. I think Botox use is going to spike gigantically around the globe. Or how about Carnival? The huge cruise line just announced it's putting 65 percent of its ships out to sea by the end of the year. This whole group has been crushed, pounded into the surf as the speculators who love these stocks gave up the ghost. Now new buyers are stepping in because orders look very strong. And I think, well, let's just say the stock is going from weak hands that sold it every day to stronger ones. Yesterday, I mentioned that Wells Fargo got the award for most improved student when it reported last week, while Morgan Stanley distanced itself from the pack by becoming more of a risk-free asset gatherer rather than a freewheeling brokerage. Both stocks resumed the rally today. They've got staying power. Buy them. What else? With bond yields moving in the right direction, investors flock to the stocks that stand to benefit from these child tax credit checks, the ones that started hitting the bank accounts last week. For many families, that means a trip to school, right? A trip to the store for back to school season, we call it BTS. I think Target's the premier destination for back to school. However, this market's not that discerning, so everything from Costco to Walmart to Dick's and Best Buy. Walmart chart looking good here. Uh, and not to mention Bed Bath & Beyond, which we visited today. As I see it, retail remains a coiled spring. As people who've settled into the new homes now need to decorate them, decorate them I still like Williams-Sonoma and RH Pantheon. Next up, please, I am urging you not to forget Ford and General Motors. Both companies were hurt by the ongoing semiconductor shortage, but this morning we got some incredible news totally overlooked from Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, who's been doing everything, to, to, using all her power to beg, to borrow, but not steal, 
full-featured chips. She's signaling that the supply issues are being mitigated. The market seemed pretty oblivious to the news, which is odd because the only thing holding back these two automakers is their lack of new inventory, which is why used car prices have skyrocketed. The new ones are nowhere to be found. Fix the chip shortage and it can boost production. I think the market's just too slow to understand the stubborn energy of Secretary Armando. She's been working tirelessly to solve the supply chain problem, and she indicated today that there's been greater chip availability recently. And look, she's not just some politician. She was originally an unbelievably good venture capitalist. I don't believe she'd risk saying what she said if it weren't true. Oh, these stocks are down so much. I love it. Well, no sooner enough about Ford, the 28th, when they report. All right, so the stock jumped 5% today, but that was really a response to the bond market. I think the whole move was about the reversal in bonds. It wouldn't surprise me if we catch some upgrades because better semiconductor availability could translate into, get this, a billion dollars more of earnings power. One last data point, the Mannheim Index, which we use to measure used car prices, finally coming down, which tells me the automakers have been able to boost production. All right, speaking of finally, IBM. How about IBM? I know that it won't ignite a tech rally on its own because of the boring legacy businesses. But anyone who was on the conference call last night heard about a more robust order flow and accelerating sales growth. If it's good for IBM, you better believe it's fabulous for their peers. More on Big Blue later. Was this a simple buy the dip rally? I do think there are people, enough people out there taking their cue from the bond market that it could propel the whole stock complex higher. But the bottom line is that it's the actual sales and earnings numbers from the companies reporting right now. That will determine if this move's got staying power, even if the bond market throws us a curveball. So today was a terrific reminder that interest rates can go higher, too, especially when they've come down to ridiculously low levels. Let's go to Dan in my home state of New Jersey. Dan. Hey, Jim, this is Dan, first time caller from Long Branch, New Jersey. My question is, because of its extremely low market cap of only $7 billion and Richard Branson at the helm, is Virgin Galactic the space play with the most upside potential? Is this potentially a $100 stock in the very near future? Well, look, space tourism's got a bright future, I admit. But I don't think that we're going to necessarily make money on Virgin Galactic, the stock. And uh, judging by the reaction to to what I saw today, uh, there's going to be a lot of companies in this business. So let's be careful. I need to go to Siju in New York. Siju. Hey, Jim. Um Big fan, started watching your show last year, and I haven't missed an episode since then. Yes. I want to thank you and your team for everything. My question has to do with Snap. We got a price upgrade to $90 by Credit Suisse from 80 to 90. What do you think about Snap? I like Snap. I was surprised to see it's $90 billion. I think it's going to have an excellent quarter. People can't buy TikTok, so they're buying Snap. I think that uh, Evan Spiegel, I, I, my hat is off to him, and I wish he would come on. Hey, listen, I was negative at the beginning. I was right. But I've got to tell you, I think Snap's got a lot going for it, including a fabulous demographic. Right? The rise in bond yields today could signal, be signaling better times ahead. But the staying power of today's rally is going to come down to the sales and earnings during this brief, compact period that we have called earnings season. Well, maybe tonight, I'm sitting down with the top brands of Qualtrics, another good quarter, to get a read on the company's uh, earnings this evening. Then I'm going above and beyond with Bed Bath & Beyond and bring you an exclusive sneak peek from their company's gorgeous flagship store in Manhattan. And the stock market came roaring back today, but that didn't stop cryptocurrencies from being hurt. I'm taking a closer look at what's behind the move with one of the top minds in the space. We must understand this better. Stay with Craig. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. 
Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visited visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. When we stop freaking out about the bond market, we can finally focus on what really matters here in mad money, the earnings. And that's very good news for companies with great numbers. Take Qualtrics International. That's the experienced management software play that was spun off by SAP roughly six months ago. Qualtrics has a totally compelling story. But after the whole cloud cohort rolled over this spring, its stock has struggled to gain traction. I think that's about to change because, well, the company reported after the close today and it shot the lights out. Qualtrics beat expectations on every major line item and management raised their full year forecast earnings most importantly, revenues substantially. This kind of quarter can actually ignite the whole group. But don't take it from me. Let's dig deeper about how this happened. Let's go to Ryan Smith, the founder and executive chairman of Qualtrics International, and Zink Serafin, the CEO. Gentlemen, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having us on, Jim. All right, Zig. Uh, one of the things that you guys do better than almost really anybody, and we saw these numbers, and I've got to try to get people to understand why. But you, you're able to position companies to ask the right questions to understand their customers. One company that all, almost all our viewers know is Urban Outfitters. It is a unique, quality organization with a great CEO. What have you done for them? That, because their numbers are much better than they used to be. Yeah, well, look, first off, as you noted, Q2 was an outstanding quarter for us. And it extends the momentum that we had coming into this fiscal year. What you're seeing in the results is... Qualtrics has never been more relevant or impactful. That's evident in 48% year-over-year growth in subscription revenue. And this builds on our strong first quarter revenue, which you saw in the second quarter, shows an acceleration of demand for experience management. It's the category that we created. And the experiences that companies are delivering to their employees and to their customers have never been more critical to their success. And increasingly, experience management is becoming a C-level and board-level conversation. So, you know, you pointed out Urban. You know, retailers are trying to figure out how to deliver incredible experiences across all their channels. Urban Outfitters, who own several different brands, including Anthropology and Free People, they're trying to understand all of their customers, however they're shopping, store or online, right? And with Qualtrics, we're helping them create a holistic picture of each customer's journey across their brands, helping them to deepen their relationships and design seamless experiences across the way that they end up interacting with their customers. But I'll tell you, Jim, what's most exciting is is that our guidance puts us on track to surpass $1 billion in revenue 
for 2021, which is an incredible milestone, as you know, for a SaaS uh, yes. company. Uh, and I want to tell people at home, it is the goal of younger companies to get to a billion. And you got to get there as fast as you can. And this is one of the fastest that I have seen. Ryan, I want to ask you something. There is a statistic that is bothering me. I understand that something like, because of your research, 50% of the workforce is going to be looking for a new job in the next 12 months. You also do excellent work about trying to give insights, say, to HR teams about what the heck is going on. What is going on? Yeah, I mean, it's the ultimate reshuffling of chairs. And there's not a CEO that I don't talk to who's not concerned about it. It's, it's no one's dream scenario. But um, what we're doing is we're helping them understand the hearts and minds of their people. What is the journey for their employee base? And what type of experience can they provide to help deliver and delight the employees? And that's something that has been changing, obviously, through the pandemic, but will continue to be an iterative process. And those organizations that get ahead of it are going to be the ones that are winning. And in reality, this is probably one of the biggest threats that we're seeing to companies all over the world. So we're doing a lot. I mean, we've got the, the best employee experience solution on the market. We partner with SHRM, the Society of Human Resource Management, for them to both manage their internal employees and roll it out to all of their members to give people access so that they can try to understand and pivot on how to deliver a new experience, which is not always in the office. Um, it's a hybrid model for many organizations. And try to really understand if they're hitting the mark. But if right, not, right. what can they do quickly we, to change? We have CEOs in New York City, in banking, who say you're coming back to work. Is that a good way to lose your best talent? Well, no, not if they're necessarily understanding exactly what it is that their employee base um, is desiring and where they're at. And we work with a lot of those CEOs. I, I mean, we were out last week with a couple of them speaking directly about, hey, where are you at? They're using Qualtrics. They're understanding where their employees are at and then trying to figure out, hey, how do we collectively work together to get to our new normal? And right. that's how you have to do it. And once everyone gets back, then it's one more iteration, one more iteration. This is going to be a transformation that's going to go on for some time. All right. Now, uh, one of the things that I like about your company, and something, by the way, that Salesforce does, too, but retention what it takes to keep a customer, and most importantly, how you can make it, including with automation, to figure out what a customer's lifetime value is so you can make some real judgments about where to put your resources. I think you guys are excelling in this. There are not many companies that know how to do it. Where is it working best? Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, one of our customers, and, and you know MNT Bank, they're a Fortune 500 bank. They've got deep community roots in the U.S., they're using our technology to just simplify, enhance, and enhance some of the critical touch points at their branch, the contact center, and especially in digital. So less people, as you know, are going into the branch, and digital is becoming a part of how people bank, right? right. Nine out of 10 deposits are digital. Half of all sales are digital. So M&T Bank is using Qualtrics to more deeply understand their customers, and then they're personalizing everyday interactions with offering products that are more tailored to the individual needs at any moment in time across any channel. So that's how they're using Qualtrics. Right, right. One last question. A lot of companies tell me as they get to a billion dollars in sales, we don't care about earnings. We don't care how much money we lose. I am looking at this quarter and I'm thinking you do care how much money you lose. You're trying to make money right now and grow revenues right now, which is what I want. Can that be the case? Make money and grow revs. 
Well, look, well, uh, we expect to build. Know, start. Oh, yeah, go yeah. ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Zick. No, look, it was 19 Hold years up. ago that we started in our basement bootstrap. And this has been part of the model of Qualtrics the whole time. And I don't see it slowing down. All right, good. Uh, and Zig, just to, I guess if you, I don't want you to don't want to cut you off. I mean, you guys understand the value to our viewers of making money, not just losing money, right? Yeah, we do. And look, we're building this company for long-term durable growth, and we're working on some of the most important things that are happening in companies, which is leading with experience management across employee and customers. And that's clearly benefiting us. You're seeing that in the numbers. Well, I think the quarter was excellent. The stock is very inexpensive versus its cohort, which is what we care about on the show. I want to thank Zing Sarfin, CEO of Qualtrics, and Ryan Smith, Qualtrics founder and executive chair. I also add, i got to do this, that uh, Qualtrics is a CBC Disruptor 50 company. That's our weekly newsletter offers a closer look at Disruptor 50 companies like Qualtrics before they go public. Now, you got to understand, you can sign up by visiting cbc.com slash disruptors newsletter. But more important, I use that list to come up with companies I want on the show because that list is filled with winners. Bad Money's back into the break. Coming up, it's a Bed Bath & Booyah from the Big Apple. Kramer goes above and beyond from the company's flagship store. Next. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. After nearly two years of hard work, Bed Bath & Beyond is finally getting some credit for its miraculous turnaround. I keep telling you the President CEO Mark Tritton has transformed this company into something unrecognizable. But this is the kind of story that needs to be seen to be believed. Earlier today, we got a chance to speak to the turnaround artist-in-chief at Bed Bath & Beyond's remodeled flagship store on 6th Avenue and 18th Street in New York City. Take a look. Mark, it's been a long time since I've been dazzled by a retail experience. This is not my father's Bed Bath & Beyond. It definitely not is, Jim. Good to see you in person. Yeah. Tell me about the reinvention. You know, the lease was coming up here and we sat down with the, the owners and talked about a different vision for the store. We actually took out about 20,000 square feet of the original store at the front and actually reconfigured it with open sight lines and a vision for more residential space. You remember the old store? 
very heavy on merchandise, very warehouse-like. We've got a store here that's about 14% less in floor space, 40% less in SKUs, uh, and about 44% less in inventory, but still is beautiful and ready to roll. I'm looking at your brands, and I'm thinking these are so much better than the brands, some of them names, some of them not, that I remember at my old Bed Bath. So you're inventing. We are inventing, you know, we have an own brand strategy, but I think the beauty of this story is both national brands are showcased incredibly, our Brevels, our KitchenAids, our Oxos, as well as our great own brands, and they really do shine in this new environment. Some brilliant ideas. Uh, first, bed. You have said it's 80% of what we love. Casper, interesting. No one's got that. Yeah, when we did the research, we saw that consumers really loved being at home. It was their safety net, their, their, the first love and where they felt the most comfortable. And that 80% of those customers said the bedroom was their true haven. So it's in our title, Bed Bath & Beyond, and we really dominate in bed and sleep. So we've really expanded our authority and included Casper as one of our key partners, uh, both online and here as their first ever in the U.S. standalone store. Fantastic. Yeah. I've got to tell you. The, again, I won't mention it one more time. With the last time I mentioned it, the old bed bath, you didn't need your phone because it didn't know what to do. This one seems uniquely ready for direct-to-consumer, and I get my specials inside. Well, with the download of the app, and I know you had the experience and you're blown away, this is true omni-channel retailing, and I think it is yeah. the future. And we value the experience but also to the access to a digital world download the app you can actually we have a cafe in store you can check the menu you can map the store you can actually shop in the store and easily check out yourself and make it a really seamless and easy experience or you can explore more products online true omni-channel retailing here in this flagship store there been a time where if i heard that covid had made a resurgence i would say well scratch off you're not going to go to Bed Bath. Now, your, your direct-to-consumer is right. growing, maybe the fastest in retail. Yeah, look, I mean, all through 2020, we all scrambled, right? And no more so than Bed Bath & Mom because we didn't have that capability. We've built that and more in terms of easy access for the customer digitally, both in-store and online. I think that there is some question marks about where COVID will go and what that means for customer sentiment. We're ready to meet them wherever they need to be. It's perfect. College. Back yeah. to school. How's yeah. it going? We're ready. We're absolutely ready. You've seen the stores, back to colleges online, in store. We're set up. I think the research we're showing is the world is changing and customers are out there having a really good time at the moment. Right. They're expressing joy and they're getting sun and yes. they're having their summer. Our research shows that over 50% of college students haven't even started their shop. They intend to. They have their list but they're not actually shopping yet. So good things lie ahead. I think a slight, slight postponement of the season, but we are ready. All right, now it's hard for me to value the stock because I've been a big fan ever since you got, came aboard. But I have things like, where is Bye Bye Baby uh, in the valuation of the company, given the fact that it's fast growing and loved? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point. I think it's a watch this space point. Um, I think for us, Baby is a huge growth vehicle and we've articulated in our three-year plan, but we see even more upside. It's growing in double-digit clips at the moment, even despite being open last year. So we're very pleased with its performance. The management team there is really fantastic. If you think about our evolution as a business, Jim, I mean, we're in the early stages and we just completed our first quarter of a three-year plan. So that plan was stabilise the enterprise right. in terms of the components, now the four core businesses, invest in the infrastructure, build the mothership, which is Bed Bath & Beyond. Now we're standing double down on Bye Bye Baby, as well as our plans for Harmon and Decorous. So it'll be sequential, 
but there is something there that is terrific, not only on its own, but how it fits into the life moments and ecosystem of a customer's life that we can use with data and engagement and services and ease for a whole lifetime with our customers. Life moments. People don't understand how big your registry business is. Yeah, look, I mean, I think that it's a business that was quiet during 2020. Weddings went on hold. We're number two. Uh, with a very high market share just behind Amazon. Uh, We're maintaining that share. Our baby registry is super strong. We're doubling down in that space as well. Again, a way to connect, engage, and support our customers in all their life moments. I've tried to use the Amazon app at the Amazon store with no help, except for one person, and I'm I'm somewhat savvy, but it won't work for me. It's too hard. Yours seems much easier. I won't talk about Amazon, but ours is a breeze, and it's (laughs) actually on our app, both at Bye Bye Baby and here at our store. You can add while you're in store in Giffridge, so you can make lists. It's very digital savvy, savvy and enabled as well as doing it on your laptop at home or your iPad. So this is the new world. This is 21st century retailing and Bed Bath & Beyond and its companies are ready. We have seen uh, reinventions that have uh, lost out. GM to the the Japanese when they tried to reinvent. JCPenney, they couldn't mix the two. They lost the older customers. I still love the... I'm older. I get the coupon. I go to the store. What am I going to do now? Look, the coupon is beloved. It's still here. It's a competitive advantage. It's actually also digitally enabled. So it's a way to use it with different customers. I think for us, we've been saying all along, this is here to stay. It's one of our strengths. We just weren't managing it well in the past. And using data and and engagement with our customers, how do we get it to our customers from its best point of usage? Here to stay. But the one thing I would say to you, Jim, that was used in the past as a proxy for value. So this price is great if I use the coupon. We've actually bridged that gap and we've created greater parity with pricing with our competitors on an everyday basis, added the introduction of these great opening price points and competitive own brands. And then the coupon is gift with purchase. It's an extra special benefit when you shop at Bed Bath & Beyond. Now let's talk about some of the common problems that all retailers are facing. First, supply chain. Second, getting the right people, labor. How are you mastering this? Yeah, look, I mean, supply chain for us is a complete reinvention. Uh, our COO, John Hartman, has undertaken a complete rescribe of our So it's supply not chain. been a problem in getting the, re- the, the product that you need? It hasn't, but we still see both a greater time and cost efficiencies on okay. our horizon, and that's okay. built into our three-year plan. Uh, where there's some, some new information to follow in the upcoming weeks about some partnerships that we're going to embark on to revolutionise our supply okay. chain. Right. And again, technology-enabled. Um, but I think for us, you know, we're... we're we're at our all-time high in-stock ratio of 95%, and that's without the tech and the supply chain supporters. So we're excited about that. In terms of people, it is a competitive yeah. market out there. We're actually very solid. This team here is fully staffed. We continue to keep a close eye on the market. I think for us, really doubling down our engagement and the community that we want to create with our associates makes us a special place to work. The, uh, the rollout of new ideas, the rollout of private, Nestwell, a wild sage, simply essential, which I see everywhere here. Now, Bed Bed launches squared away. Is there any end to your invention? At what point do you say, you know what? I've got everything I need. Uh, we're not quite there yet. Uh, more to follow. I think we have some great ideas to follow in, two, in key categories, key lifestyle moments, and we'll continue to look at places where both national brand and our brand can come together in a powerful way. But we have some aces up our sleeve. One last question. Uh, when I think about uh, what's going on 
in the country with the Delta variant, with people being yep. you know, worried about coming out. And I look at this. I, I want, obviously, I'm turned on by what you're doing here. Will people come out? I think they will. I mean, we've got a great marketing plan, campaign, and there's, there's a three-parter here. I think we're part of the Chelsea and your community. We're part of the tri-state community. People come in yeah. every day. And we're part of the tourist community. And New York's coming back, and we're part. Of it, and we're really proud to be here at this very moment. Um, we will track it with our customers, but we've created a safe, spacious environment that makes it easy to engage digitally or physically, be safe, and enjoy this wonderful store. Well, your joy. Your joy. <laughs> and those of us who love retail and those of us who don't just want to shop, this is the place. Mark Tritton, President CEO, Bed Bath & Beyond, BBBY, from New York City, flagship store, own the stock. Coming up, the Fed the Delta variant, and a cavalcade of crypto caveats. This economy has hurdles aplenty. Kramer is joined by an expert who can get you safely around the track. Next. came roaring back today, but that didn't stop cryptocurrencies from getting hit again, with Bitcoin sinking to its lowest level since the very beginning of the year. There are a lot of reasons for this, including a newfound aversion to speculation. But tonight I want to focus on one in particular, the prospect of greater regulatory scrutiny. Last month, we started highlighting one of the biggest risks to the crypto ecosystem and possibly the whole economy. That's the rise of so-called stable coins like Tether that are ostensibly backed by safe real world assets. No questions asked. Uh uh-uh. uh. The idea is to have something like a digital dollar. But Tether's backed by vast quantities of commercial paper, short term corporate debt, and we have no idea whose paper they own. That's the connection between the crypto economy and the real economy. It's gotten to the point where Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen just convened a meeting of the president's working group on financial markets, get a handle on the risks here. Boston Fed Chief Eric Rosengren recently called Tether a challenge to the financial, stabi- to financial stability. But maybe we've seen this move before. This past weekend, we saw a paper eye-opening from a Federal Reserve attorney, Jeffrey Zhang, and a Yale School of Management professor, Dr. Gary Gordon. It's titled Taming Wildcat Stable Coins. The authors liken these things to the lightly regulated private currencies that banks created during the free banking era in the mid-19th century. During this 25-year period, a third of all commercial banks failed. They couldn't redeem their own notes. Ominous. So what lessons can the 19th century teach us about how to handle stable coins and what's going on right now? Let's check in with one of the authors of that paper, Dr. Gary Gordon. He's the Frederick Frank Class of 1954 Professor of Finance at Yale School of Management. Professor Gordon, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so Professor, I, I know many of our viewers are not familiar with stablecoin, but and we're familiar with Tether, which has got a sixty-two billion dollar market cap, so we can't ignore it. But can you explain where stablecoins fit in and why perhaps everybody from Yellen to Powell to Rosengren are suddenly concerned about the concept of stablecoin? They're concerned because stablecoin issuers resemble banks. So with a stablecoin, you give an issuer $100 and they give you $100 worth of their coins with the promise that you can redeem your coins at any time, one for one. So it's the one for one part which makes them bank-like and which is why people get concerned about what's backing them, as in the case of Tether. Well, you are an expert on what happened in 2008. And a lot of people understand the concept of breaking the buck. When I think of Tether and what they may or may not own, 
they seem like a likely one to break the buck if things turn bad for Bitcoin. Well, Tether changed their terms of service so that they don't have to redeem one for one. They, they can redeem in kind. So they, they you know, in, in, in a sense, are more like a money market fund, as you suggest, than they are like a demand deposit. But that was in response, I, I suspect, to all the, you know, all the inquiries about what is backing it. Um, and they weren't, they, weren't very, they weren't very convincing. I mean, it's hard for these stablecoin issuers to convince us about the backing. Right. They issue reports every month, but the, the reports are vague. And, you know, we don't, as you suggested, we don't know whose paper it is. So it's 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 not something they can really overcome. But, Professor, theoretically, if you're, uh, say, Gary Gensler or Janet Yellen, if you have any ability to deem something a security and therefore have regulatory control over it and say, what is in that fund, sir? Well, we don't want to declare it a security. That's that's the mistake we made with money market funds. Okay. So they 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 don't know what to do right now. Uh, they're thinking. There's uh, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency has a charter they hand out, a fintech charter, which doesn't allow you to issue deposits or get a master account at the Fed. Uh, and then various states have issued several kinds. Several states have special charters. Uh, they don't have the authority with respect to the states to do anything. Uh, they could, I think, um, require these issuers to become regular banks and, um, and then treat them that way. Well, Professor, does it help uh, bad guys, so to speak, if it stays the way it is uh, for ransomware? Well, ransom, ransomware uses Bitcoin as the payoff mechanism, which is kind of crazy um, because it's a, has a very volatile price. And at the end, you, you, you have no uh, right to turn it into cash. You have to sell it uh, for cash. Uh, so that's, there's a lot of problems with Bitcoin. Uh, that's not the case with stable coins. I mean, they, I, I, suppose, I suppose the attackers would like to have a coin with a stable price. Uh, I don't I don't know of an example where they have used any of these other coins. I mean, right right now, these coins are not used really as money except to buy and sell Bitcoin. So they're not they're not used as a, you know, a hand to hand currency uh, yet. And the question is, could they one day uh, achieve that? And the answer is, well, they, they might. There's a lot of really smart people working on it. So we'll see. But, Professor, one last question. You know, the sum total of your paper makes me feel uh, that Tether itself, which was sanctioned by the New York attorney general uh, and has a tremendous, incredible amount of paper under management, is just a kind of potential giant sucking chest wound to this industry. No, it's not. It's it's not that big, frankly. Uh, It's about 60 billion, 65 billion. I mean, it's not the size of it is not a concern yet. I think the concern is when you have a size and you have a contract that says I can redeem one for one. Right. right? That's when you can get bank runs. And and that's what happened during uh, 2007, 2008. I think I think Eric Rosengren is, you know, he's he's pointing to potential issues uh, and everybody's aware of all, all sorts of potential issues. Uh, the problem is 
we should do something you know, intelligent about it now before it gets out of hand. Well, that's why we wanted you on. That's why we're trying to shine some light on it, because if we can stop something for actually for something that I like very much, I own Bitcoin, Ethereum, it would be great for all of us. And it's breaking down, I think, because of some of these worries. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Dr. Gary Gordon, he's the Frederick Frank Class of 1954 Professor of Finance at the Yale School of Management. Great to meet you, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. Glad to be on. We just want to shine a light on this thing. We believe in cryptocurrencies. We don't want weak links. It's hard to learn about this stuff, but we're going to learn with you. Bad money's back after the break. Stick around. May I make a suggestion? I would stay with him. The lightning round is coming up next. Lightning round is over. Are you ready? Keep that time the lightning round because we're going to start with Glenn in Colorado. Glenn! Hey, Jim. I'm curious about Palantir, PLTR. There seems to be a lot of smart people behind it. What are your thoughts? It's got, it got a lot of smart people behind it, and it's also got the Wall Street betters behind it. And frankly, I find it tiresome. Let's go to Camille in New York. Camille! Hey, Kramer. Yeah. It's a beautiful day living in the best city in the world. Yes! I agree with that. What's going on? Yes. I wanted your take on Tattooed Chef, TTCF, and just... Yeah, you know, like, look, I'm in Beyond... You know, I told people to be in Beyond Meat. I'm going to stick with only one of these uh, vegetarian plays. That's all I'm going to give you. I need to go to Robert, Robert, New Jersey, Robert. Hey, how you doing, Jim? I, I appreciate you taking my call oh, tonight. Oh, did you call? How you making out with that 130-acre farm you have? It's actually pretty good. I've got some big, uh... I got some real big wide mouth bass in that, buddy. What's up? Okay, that's why I called you, Jim. I'm looking at a, 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 a an outdoor retailer. It, it's out in the west, services the west side of the country. It's got 430 stores. The symbol is BGFV. And you have a winner. That is one that I would like to buy and have come on the show. I'm not kidding. They have the stuff. I love dicks. I think this one's a cover. Let's go to Craig in Kansas. Craig! Jim, yes. uh, I have a stock here for you. It is Tango Factory Outlet. Making a comeback. It's making a comeback, and I think it's okay to own. I was very concerned, but as we saw with Simon Properties, all the weak-handed stores are gone. Tanger works now. Hey, how about Tyler in California? Tyler. Hey, Kramer. We just... What do you got? I do it too. The midterm. I'm missing that. I said U.S. Steel. What are your thoughts? Short term. Oh, U.S. Steel. Mid-term. Look, there's two steel companies in the country. There's New Quartz by Tablet Tussauds. That is a great company. And then there's Cleveland Quest, which is really a, a, a kind of like a pastiche that's coming back. And then I don't care about any of the others. Take your pick. Eric in Texas. Eric. Hey, Jim. Yo. Hey, howdy to you from Fort Worth. I'm a member of the Axel Alerts. Appreciate yes, all your Yes, be on the call here. tomorrow, 1130. I got some new stuff. I'll do it. Hey, on Mad Money, a week or so before Memorial Day, you covered a number of stocks we purchased on the eve of Memorial Day. Had historically increased and short, sold a short time later. I made money on most of those, but one of the stocks you mentioned was Capital Oral Headquarters. Seems like since then it's tanked about 13%. What's going on with Capital World 
On my own this year, I bought it again, and I'm down $45 per share. All right, well, let's deal with that because we care about where it's going, not where it's come from. It needs football season. Penn Nat needs football season. And that is when Barstool shines, and it will shine again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD America. When it comes to running a business, there's nothing more difficult than orchestrating a turnaround. Reinventing an old company is much harder than starting up a new one. You've got to deal with legacy systems, reluctant employees, skittish customers. But it can be done, and I love to see it. I'm astonished by the way Mark Tritton, the CEO of Bed Bath & Beyond, has navigated the transformation from a dally sloppy brick-and-mortar chain into one of the premier direct-to-consumer destinations with terrific presentation. The remodeled stores, they will indeed blow you away. There's a legion of short sellers here, and I'm betting they will get steamrolled. We saw evidence of another more nascent turnaround last night that I think could be even more impressive. And that's the turn at IBM. Two years ago, IBM borrowed a massive amount of money to buy a very uncharacteristic property called Red Hat, the open source software kingpin. Now, I've been a longtime fan of this company and the straight shooting CEO, Jim Whitehurst. But there's no denying IBM paid a full price for this, $34 billion. For years, IBM had been trying to pivot away from its legacy business and into faster growing areas like digital, the cloud, artificial intelligence. No one knew what to do with it, though. They then bought Red Hat, the premier on board of the cloud, and that gave IBM the perfect way to explain the strategy. They became the guys who could help any company go to any cloud. Still, for a long time, the growth continued to stagnate. And that's where 31-year-old, 30, I'm sorry, 31-year veteran of IBM, Krishna, comes in. That's Arvind Krishna, and he is something. He took over as CEO a little more than a year ago and vowed to spin off IBM's legacy no-growth IT business while putting more resources behind faster-growing software divisions. And when it comes to tech, Wall Street has no respect for hardware, but it loves software because it has much higher margins. IBM has long been dismissed as more of a hardware play, but Krishna wants it to become more of a software play so it can be valued like a software stock, substantially higher than where it trades now. His strategy, I think, is working. IBM's adding clients at a pace that I haven't seen since I had a full head of hair, including some marquee names, Verizon, Slumberjack, CVS. You might have seen the CVS partnership at work if you're among the millions of Americans who call the drugstore chain to ask about vaccines. These are big changes. Somewhere they were too big, given the state of IBM's balance sheet. But Christian's been a fiend about paying down debt. The company retired $18 billion worth since the Red Hat deal. He can do it because IBM generates an extraordinary amount of cash flow. Sadly, Jim Whitehurst has moved on. He's now just a senior advisor. But Arvin's built a great bench, which makes me less worried about that departure. Fast forward to last night. The company just reported an unexpectedly good quarter. On the conference call, the analysts were thrilled that IBM is finally seeing some revenue growth, although they were a lot less thrilled about the gross margins. What's left uh, over after paying the cost of goods sold? Krishna patiently explained several times that when you have a decent hand, you need to invest, which weighs down your margins in the moment. 
but allows you to make a lot more money down the road. Best of all, he reiterated his commitment to IBM's notoriously B.I.G. dividend, which currently yields 4.7%. I was a little worried that he'd pull an ATT and slash the payout. But unlike the people running ATT, Christian understands its shareholder base. What a good opportunity with the stock up only two bucks, despite the surprisingly strong numbers. Of course, turnarounds don't happen overnight. They take time. But both Bed Bath and IBM are well on their way. Just don't expect them to get real credit for it until they can put together a string of great quarters. These are tarnished stocks, and lots of investors assume their turns will fail. As for me, I'm betting with them, not against them. There's just too much good happening and too little bad. That's what a successful turnaround looks like when it starts to get rolling. So I'd be a buyer of both Bed Bath and IBM. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Cramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.